it's that time of year again. Halloween season. On Blood and Black Rum Podcast, we take this very seriously. So, we're going back to the basics with what we're calling Halloweenies 2. Movies that take place on or around Halloween. Your favorites like Hocus Pocus, Ernest Scared Stupid, Terrifier, and more. Tune in all September and October as we smash jack-o'-lanterns and Oktoberfest in equal fashion. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Run Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? Uh, we're doing very well. Uh, we are attempting to conjure up a nice episode for our Halloweenies series that we're doing. A Halloweenies 2, based on the Adventures of Pete and Pete, a very obscure reference to a 90s show. Um... We've been kind of trading off back and forth on our Halloween series by going uh, sort of a horror movie based around Halloween, um, either set on Halloween or just like around the season. Uh, and then we've been doing a nostalgic movie set around Halloween. And la- we've actually done two in a row that were actual horror movies. Um, we did uh, Trick or Treat and then we did Saw 10. So it's it's high time that we tackle another nostalgic movie and um this one this episode liable to get us kicked off the airwaves i think um after all this time this is this is the one that's gonna be our death now the potential to piss off a lot of listeners i think um it's hard when you are gonna be covering a you know a prominent movie that is been in the well it's it's been around for 30 years now it is the 30th anniversary of this movie released in 1993 at that time you and i were about four years old uh you were three years old when it released actually because it released in july which is a horrible horrible time disney what were you thinking what they just just didn't care what were you thinking you were like let's just drop this in the middle summer they just didn't care. They didn't put any thought into it at all. They're just like, you know what? Let it be, fly out into the wild. I feel like they didn't because um, not only did they not they release it at a weird time, not during the Halloween season, but also they didn't even release it under the Disney name. They they put it out under um, Buena Vista. And at that time, you know, a subsidiary like that, not really that well-recognized. Uh, you know, it doesn't scream Disney. So it just, it's no wonder that it released to like not much fanfare. You know, it was just, at the time, like people were like going to see, you know, like summer blockbusters in July. Um, you know what I was going to see at that time? What's that? Because it's the first movie I remember seeing as a kid. Free Willy. Oh, yeah. 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 Which, by the way, we're, we're, we're going to cover that one day on the podcast because hold me. By the river of Jordan, the Michael Jackson song, and I was there for you. I mean, wow. at that time, in 1993, around that time for the summer box office, you had Jurassic Park fucking hitting June 11th, and then you go and you try to set set up Hocus Pocus. Uh, not gonna happen. It was the highest grossing by like more than double of 
summer 1993. So sorry, Hocus Pocus. Um, you came in a nice 21, uh, <laughs> just above Robin Hood Men in Tights, and getting beat out by Hot Shots Part Deux and Son-in-Law. <laughs> which also, Son-in-Law, July. Why? <laughs> July 2nd. Dizzy, what were you thinking at that time? July 2nd, Thanksgiving movie. And not just... I mean, it's set literally around Thanksgiving. Why? Why would they drop Son-in-Law at the... Okay, well, whatever. I Apparently, we've seen now a pattern with Walt Disney in the 90s where they just didn't give a shit about making sure that anything fit with the themes going on here. Um, drop a Halloween movie in July, drop a Thanksgiving movie in July, and then wonder, why didn't they do that well? But over time, this movie, even though it had a poor box office, I mean, I think at the time, it actually did not make back its budget. Um, they, you know, it basically totally flopped it. Even it doubled it. It doubled. Oh, did it double it? Okay, well, it doubled it. Uh, uh, well, I guess one and a half dicks. The budget's twenty-eight million. Long's office is forty-seven point one. Well, no, no, that's that was not the gross at the time. That was probably later on. But at the time, what I'm seeing uh, was it the box office was like gross thirty-two. So, um, it did. It definitely didn't do very well, and you know. It had a revival later on. Um, it got picked up by a few different channels. Um, I think mostly what would come to be known as ABC Family um, was probably the biggest draw for this. I think it probably did also play on Disney a, a maybe a couple times, but not to the extent that it has now. Um, but I think ABC Family was really the place where it started to grow and grow in popularity. And it's kind of a, say, a similar idea as a Christmas Story, uh, which also did not do very well when it first released. And then kind of got it picked up steam being played on TV and people catching it and being very um, enthused by it. And so it just became sort of a classic of the time. And th- this movie has that same sort of appeal, um, especially for kids who grew up in the probably the late 90s, early 2000s would be the time where uh, it really started to pick up steam because I, I can't remember Fox I mean, ABC Family used to be Fox Family it used to be a subsidiary of Fox and then at some point and I don't recall the exact time frame they switched over from being Fox Family and they sold it to ABC and then it became ABC Family well ABC's um, owned by Disney yes so they basically bought up and I don't know when it was uh well, I say, I say Disney didn't merge, uh, buy out uh, 20th Century Fox until like not that long ago. It was like a couple of years. Right. Yeah. No, it wasn't actually. A, I don't think it was. I think literally they sold the channel, the, the rights to the channel, and they sold it to ABC instead of like a merger or anything like that. Um, but I don't recall exactly when it was. But I think at that time, oh, uh, 2001. Um, was when they switched over. So that does that does jive. Yeah, around probably around the early 2000s, it became ABC Family, bought by Disney. Um, and that's when this ho- movie, Hocus Pocus, really started to become a hot commodity, a 
a family named film. She would watch it Halloween time. See, that's not the story for me. I saw it like a true 90s millennial on VHS from my local rental store a million times. So you were the ones, you were you were a person that was actually supporting the movie yeah. and its release prior to it getting popular on the TV. Yes. I didn't see it in theaters, don't remember that, um, but I definitely do remember it being rented constantly and seeing it that way. And um, I think that's the same for my wife. My wife seems to have seen it a lot when she was a kid, even before, you know, ABC Family had brought it back. That's not the story for me Um I didn't see this movie for a long time, or if I did, I, I think I had seen it, but it wasn't something in my household that we were like, every year we're throwing on Hocus Pocus and watching it. It was, Which, which makes no sense, because your sister's a Disney princess. You know, I'm not really sure, but also my sister had always been very scared of any sort of uh, Halloween or horror movie, so it does make sense that she maybe Hocus Pocus would not have been a draw for her. Um I was always that I know person. That, I know that movie post is so scary with <laughs> sparkles in a vacuum. Je- Sarah Jessica Parker, you know. I know that sounds outlandish, but it's true. I mean, she just would stay away from movies that even could have been somewhat scary. So, um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a household commodity for us. We were not watching it every year. Um, like I said, I had seen it, but it probably it took until I actually. Um, started dating my now wife where I actually watched it again and and because she was like you you don't know Hocus Pocus well and I was like no I don't know I don't know I mean I've seen it they're like do I know it by heart no I don't know it by heart so I mean it kind of took until then for me to actually get into Hocus Pocus and again it's still personally for me I should say this I mean my wife's in the other room so I should say this low but it's not my favorite Halloween movie um it's it's definitely not. It's um it, it is a fun movie uh for me and we'll talk about, you know, the things in the movie that make it fun and um why it probably has become such a nostalgic classic. But at the same time for me and I think for you as well, um I find it just okay. It's just uh you know, it's a it's a Halloween movie and I like that part of it, but I just I don't see the huge appeal. I'm so glad for you to get that off your chest, Ryan, because I do not feel that way at all. Thank God for you to be the first one to say it. And what do you we, mean? And may we stone you for your yeah, poor. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's, I can't be a cult film <laughs> fan without really loving this movie. No, but uh, we'll talk about you know how I feel about it, where I think like the. Where we where the downfalls are, the pitfalls of the movie, um, and also sorry to Mick Garris who uh, prominently wrote, you know co-wrote this this movie. Um, we've we've covered his other you know well-renowned movie Critters too. If you remember the uh, the, uh, the Easter mo- the Easter one, um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I forgot we did that. Ah, oh, what a horrible movie. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. But before we get it too far into talking about Hocus Pocus, let's take a break because we got a special on the show today. Uh, we actually have two different beers. Um, comparing the two, because I was able to order 
and get in time. And get in time, yeah. Um, I was able to order from KCBC Brewing, which uh, we've had on the show before, I think, right? Did we have We had, we had, we've we had a couple. We have, yeah, I think we, we had pause two on here, right? Yeah. We did that one. Um, I was able to order KCBC online. For those of you who are not in the know, that stands for Kings County Brewing Company, based on... Nope, nope, sorry, Collective. They're, they're Collective. Kings County Brewing Collective. Brewers Collective. Yeah. KCB. They're a bunch of, com- bunch of commies. Yeah. But I was able to order, and they posted it uh, very recently. I saw it online, and I was like, I, I gotta fucking order this. Um, they were po- They had posted that they just put up on their website, both a fest beer and an Oktoberfest. And I knew they'd had the Oktoberfest because that was something that I had been meaning to order, um, like, for a while. Because they've, they've had it out for probably about a month now. Um, but I had not seen that they had a fest beer until they posted about it. So I had to quickly run to their website and order it. And also, luckily, you can order a half case or a full case and... Either way, you're getting free shipping if you're in New York State. So I was I was very pumped about that, which is great too. Because if you ever in the state, at least I don't know. I don't honestly. I don't know how the many other states allow for ordering of alcohol since COVID. It's been a blessing now that we can. But I mean, the fact that they also allow free shipping is that's you know bonus points to you, good fellows, because the shipping itself makes it very unappealing for a lot of these things like. Oh, it's going to be $84 for your 12 beers. And then you go like, okay. And they're like shipping costs is another $3. You're like, hey, you know what? Maybe not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the big problem. It's like shipping itself is like buying another pack of beer basically. And, um, that does really add up, especially when you consider like now you're paying almost like $25, $30, a, a four pack at that point. So for KCBC to offer free shipping, it was it was definitely a steal. I I, I loved it because I got it for basically the price that I could pick it up at a store, and it's not guaranteed that any stores around here are actually going to have these beers. So I gladly ordered it, and um, so we have on the show both Shadow Crypt Fest beer and the Zoktoberfest Marzen uh, or Mertzen, if I correctly say the. The pronunciation of that type of beer, <laughs> uh, which I don't normally do, um, I don't say it correctly. So, um, but I think the the interesting thing about KCBC is that they're making both a fest beer and a, and a marzen because uh, not many places do that. I mean, most places are pretty much cemented into the marzen style if they do make an Oktoberfest. Um, that's you know the traditional American way to make it, and. Um, Almost everyone makes it that style. But I said, you know what? I got to try both of these because I'm curious to see how KCBC's Fest beer uh, compares to their Oktoberfest. So we have both on the show. Um, and both of us have cracked open the Fest beer first, uh, which means I haven't even tried the Oktoberfest yet. Um, have you tried the Oktoberfest? Yes, for this I am right now. And... Um, Let's start with the Fest Beer. What do you think about the Fest Beer? I like it a lot. It's damn good Fest Beer. It's got a nice little hoppy bit to the bit, uh, beginning. Slight brightiness to it. Very drinkable. Very refreshing. As the Fest Beer style is supposed to be. 
very clean. I love it. I think it's a really good fest beer that they got here. Um, I would definitely get it again. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, they do uh, put the type of hops that they're using on the can here for both of these. Um, the fest beer has Tetsudanger hops. Um, and I think it's really, really solid because it does have that lighter feel to it. It does have on the on the first sip, you really get the pronounced hop, uh, which is nice and crisp and clean. And then towards the back, you get on uh, a maltier, breadier note, but not like supremely strong. Um, you know, just like a nice, flavorful breadiness to it. Uh, it's very easy drinking, and I think the fest beer is a really, really good style for them. Um, this is quite tasty. Uh, now, moving over to the Zoktoberfest, the, the Oktoberfest Marzen style. What do you think about that one? Disappointed. Mm. It's okay for an Oktoberfest. It is breadier. The hoppy presence isn't as noticeable as the Fest beer. Much more focused on the bread, uh, multi-bread toads. But... It is kind of watery. It's a little lifeless. Um, not much to it outside of like, you know, like a bready maltiness in the beginning. And I mean, it is clean and crisp. But the fact that it's just a little bit of brightness and then the beer's kind of got this like watery taste to it. It's not bad, but this is not a Oktoberfest of Marzen style that I would go back to. I think it's uh, little disappointed there. I think this Oktoberfest is not bad. I think that they've so basically this one. I think of it is it's it's still fairly crisp. It does have um, a much more pronounced breadiness to it. Um, it's it's seems very similar to the Fest beer in that it still has like some of the characteristics of the Fest beer. Uh, even though they did use different hops for this one, um, but it, it, this one it just seems like they've you know they've really malted it a bit harder. It's it's definitely got more of the um, bready kind of like toffeeish notes. Although I would say, again, it, I don't think it goes as far as some of the other Marzen styles, which um, tend to take on more of like a caramelish characteristic. Um, Maybe not as flavorful as some of the other other Oktoberfests that I've had, but I think it's a fair Oktoberfest from them. Um, I think in terms of comparing the two, Shadow Crypt versus the Zoktoberfest, I do prefer their Shadow Crypt. And it's hard to say whether that's because we have so many Marzen styles that we are, um, I, like maybe I'm more open to this best beer style in terms of um, a difference of flavor profile than what I'm normally drinking for Oktoberfest. So I, I don't know. I, I do prefer the Fest beer though, um, which is not always the case for me. You know, a lot of times I do prefer the Marzen. So I think this Oktoberfest is fine. Probably not the best Marzen style that I've had, but I think their Fest beer really knocks it out of the park. Um, I would I would get both again. I, I would get both again. Interesting, uh, interesting tasting though for this one, right? I do think after all our little fest beers that we've done this year, though, is kind of making me more like not 
I don't prefer them over Marsons, but that is making me be like, yeah, these have, I can understand why they're like, hey, let's add this to the party. Right. Appreciative of the Style. change up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm glad, uh, glad to have ordered these though. It's cool. Now I like having a tasting like that on the show too, where you get to sample a couple different, couple different ones and compare. Um, all right, let's talk about Hocus Pocus. Let's get into it. Uh, let's uh, let's fill our cauldron and uh, make a potion here on Button Back Run Podcast. All right, so like I said, we're we're thirty years into Hocus Pocus, which is in itself surprising. I kind of sometimes take a look at Hocus Pocus nineteen ninety three, and I'm like, oh yeah, like ten years ago, right? Came out ten years ago. <laughs> Just the other day. No. The other day. I mean, I was only four years old, so um, I'm 33 now, so, or 34, sorry. Yes. 30, wow. 30, wow. 34 years don't, old now. Don't short, don't shortchange yourself like that. Goodness. Um, so I, mean, yeah, I, I would say I've been rounding up for like a year and a half now. <laughs> People ask me how old I am. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm 34. I'm not even there yet. Could be their soul. Yeah, I mean, it is surprising uh, that, it, you know, it's been out for so long but at, at the end of the day i do i see the nostalgia for it because i th- i understand i understand where they're coming from i understand that in terms of the time period um the all the nostalgia factor of you know especially if you caught it on abc family or uh what's now become freeform uh during their what I think used to be 13 days of Halloween, and now it's blossomed into 31 days of Halloween. Where's my 31 days of Degrassi? <laughs> Hitting such hard, you know, hard epic uh, tale. No Degrassi for you. The only thing I remember being on uh, ABC Family back in the day was Seventh Heaven. That's the only thing I and I going the family watch. About the 700 Club, you didn't tune in for that at 10 o'clock at night or something. Oh, every you know, every now and then I like to hear Pat Robertson babble on about something. Yeah. Um, but I understand the nostalgia for it because uh like I have the same sort of nostalgia for like AMC Fear Fest, USA's Fright Fest, whatever they would do during Halloween. I was gonna say Dutch. <laughs> Dutch, I guess, yeah. Um I have the same thing for it. And it doesn't like in some of my nostalgias don't actually factor into whether I like or dislike something. Like, one of my nostalgic things that I would used to do is uh, get home from school, hunker down with a Halloween placemat, plastic Halloween placemat, grab a glass of milk, fucking dig into a sleeve of Halloween Oreos, and I would eat an entire sleeve before dinner, sitting there on the floor with my Halloween placemat. And I'm not talking I was like eight years old doing this, I was probably like 14 years old doing this, you know, uh, with a Halloween placemat. Um, and what I would usually do is turn on the TV and that TV channel USA, which has kind of fallen out of favor now. Um, but at the time, USA was kind of a big, big deal, playing a lot of stuff. Like Law and Order on yeah. 24 7. Yeah. Monk, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> they used to have a pretty extended. Halloween movie marathon too, uh, kind of like what AMC does now with their Fear Fest, and um, I used to turn that on 
And I um, distinctly remember a nice Halloween season where they were playing I Know What You Did Last Summer. And we've done I Know What You Did Last Summer. And we talked about how, as a slasher movie, it's not that great. Um, Definitely doesn't reach scream levels uh, from Kevin Williamson. But it was... It did turn into a nostalgic thing for me to kind of think about it in terms of, yeah, I, at that one time, that one year, <laughs> I watched I Know What You Did Last Summer on TV during Halloween, and it became one of those, like, shining memory moments for me. I don't know why. Seeing Ryan Philippe be like, Whoa! Don't know why, but it did. It did. And then, um, I don't know. It's just... So I understand. I know. I know why. Because you were fourteen and you were seeing and, Jennifer Love. And you, Jennifer yeah. Love, you went running around and you're like, "Please." J J Love was running around in her gibby tight top. And well, Rachel Lee cooks so bad. Or or Jessica Biel running around in her skimpy white top. Um, so I understand where they're coming from with Hocus Pocus. Uh, for me, the nostalgia is is not as uh, intense for Hocus Pocus. Um, but the appeal, I think, is, for me, at least for me, is the, the wide range of Halloween that we do get to see on display in this movie. Because it, it, if anything else, it is very um, decorative and does capture the feelings of Halloween pretty well, in my opinion. How do you, do you, do you agree? Yeah, no, it's a very Halloween, Halloweeny film, which you don't often get to say or see with these films because it's one of the first things, especially with this uh, Halloweeny series that we've been doing, is creating the Halloweeniness of it. And Hocus Pocus is thoroughly Halloweeny. It's thoroughly within that whole uh, niche. I think, however, though. Uh, it kind of goes off the rails story-wise. Mm. This is coming from somebody, too. Like, I do have great nostalgia for this film. Because I've like I said, I saw it a billion times when I was a kid uh, on VHS. It was of... And was that your choice or was that your sister's choice? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I don't think you think we chose. I think mom and dad chose. Or your parents were like, hey, this would be yeah. great for you guys to watch. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know who chose it. I just know it ended up in the VCR from the rental store. Um, back in the early '90s, and I saw it million different times. So was my like, dad's rental store? Yes, it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, it That's was. Because right. this is uh, this is before uh, we moved to our uh, what was then our current house. This is still where we we're back in the trailer. So. You know what? Maybe that's why it wasn't a staple of my childhood because the Martin family always had it. <laughs> I, I, we weren't able to rent it because my dad's like, I don't know. It's always out. I don't Somebody keeps fucking taking the VHS. I don't know. Some, some asshole keeps renting Hocus Pocus and Mortal Kombat 2 for your Genesis. So, no, right. so no, Ryan, you can't play Mortal Kombat 2 or watch Hocus Pocus. That's right. Yeah. So that that must be it. That must be why it wasn't wasn't no, played. It is very Halloween-y, and there are a lot of things that I remember, like, as a kid. Like, me and my younger sister used to always be like, oh, bye-bye, like, at the end. Mm-hmm. Do that, and, like, we'd be like, you know, Hollywood, and have little quotes like that. But when you watch this film now as an adult, unless you're one of those uh, 
millennials who are stuck in the Disneyland and think everything Disney's delightful. Um, it's enjoyable to a point, but it kind of its stick is very thin. I agree with that. I think that you know there are things about it that I do like, um, and like maybe you know we can talk about some specifics after. But one of the things that I, I find about Hope's Books when I watch it is that I think you're right. The shtick grows weary uh, after a time because I think that there's only so much um, that you can actually put up with from the witches themselves because they do have like a, a, a cheesiness that is difficult to maintain and uh, find interesting. What's, fun, what's funny as a seven-year-old listening to Bette Midler be like, just Sarah Jessica Parker then be like hey and then I smell children I smell children (laughs) after 90 minutes becomes tiresome and I think it's the same idea with uh, Ernest Scared Stupid as well like we talked about that in Ernest Scared Stupid you know for maybe for kids it's a little bit more interesting to see Ernest have uh, multiple personalities but you know when it comes down to it as an adult trying to watch that it is uh, so schizo that you you kind of like tune tune out with it because you know it just doesn't hold your attention like it it would as a kid. Um, and I agree with that. I think that that's definitely part of the part of the problem. I've always felt too that Hocus Pocus runs a little bit long. Uh, it is about almost an hour and forty minutes, and I feel like a good chunk could be cut out of it. That's kind of unnecessary for the plotting of it. Um, th- there are times where in the middle it does kind of lose itself in um, unnecessary excursions with the witches and things like that where I, I've always felt that it could use just a, a little bit of a cut to it to um, make it just a little bit less long I think so I think too Hocus Pocus is, I, I agree with that is also kind of why um, why like in a couple of years you'll see like they're like alright we're not gonna put and put out a full-fledged 90-minute film of this shit anymore. We're going to do Smart House and, you know, Look at the Irish. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these, like, made, you know, made for Disney Channel movies because it does kind of have... Brink! You're going to have, like, you know, those kind of, uh... You know, that kind of... Because it is kind of like a, uh... A prologue to what the, you know, Disney Channel films would become. Yeah, like a, it's it is a precursor. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that mentioned that because you know we didn't do Hocus Pocus two when it came out last year, but Hocus Pocus two specifically for me really really felt like a Disney Channel movie. It felt um, right in line, which is not something that I would I like I, I I know what you're saying. It is a precursor Hocus Pocus is, but I wouldn't say that Hocus Pocus itself is like right in line with another Disney Channel movie. It still does feel like a bigger budget movie. Um, it feels like it was written for uh, children and adults in mind, which is not necessarily how it occurs now with Disney movies, especially ones like this that are uh, basically banking on nostalgia. Focus Focus 2 was definitely written for only people that know the first movie and children. It wasn't. It's not like this you know where it would go out of its way to have some sort of uh, risque humor um like hocus pocus does it cut out all of that and it really went disney-fied 
And I think that was part of the problem with the movie itself, um, which I really disliked. I did did not like that movie at all. Um, but it, it just Disneyfies things so much that it doesn't really it, it it truly feels like a Disney Channel movie instead of its own entity. With Hocus Pocus, I think it, it kind of it doesn't fall into that trap so much, especially because at that time Disney Channel movies didn't exist. Like not in the not in what we think of as like the prime time of Disney movies. Um but with this one, I was surprised to see that there is a lot of risque humor. Like, probably one of the best things about the movie is when it, the witches get on the bus. And the guy's like, oh, 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 you know, basically catcalling these witches. And they don't really recognize that it is catcalling because they're just, like, um, not used to, you know, 300 years later uh, contemporary uh, stuff. So, um, I think that's probably one of the better things. And uh, the other thing that I really like, too, is, like, when they show the the dance party and um, the mom is Madonna, and she's like, "Well, if I'm a, I'm Madonna, like, like, Cone. right? Like, Cone obviously, bra. I mean, like, obviously, right?" And yeah, she you can see with, with her cone bra, and you can see like she's kind of so self conscious about how she's looking in that outfit with like the cone bra and everything. Like, does she really resemble Madonna? I like that too. I thought that was pretty good. Um, you know, so the risque humor at times yeah, works. But I mean, no, that's also like, as we talked about when we did like our, the Ernest Scared Stupid, like the, there is a like, uh, a, a adulty teen edge to early 90s Disney films that, you know, have totally been lost and sanded down and thrown to the wayside as, you know, they've become more sanitized. Like, uh, I mean, Hocus Pocus is made during the, you know, Disney Renaissance where, that kind of stuff was still allowed because again, our protagonist Max from LA, Hollywood, dude, you know, uh, he just they just moved to Salem. He doesn't like it, man, but he's he likes a girl in his class, Allison, and he's like dry humping a pillow, <laughs> and then his little eight year old sister Danny catches him, and then when they meet up at a party, he's like. He loves your yam wabos. He talks about your wabos all the time. It's like, kids, that means boobs. He's talking about boobs. He likes your boobies. Not only that, but he's talking about like a 16-year-old's yabos in this, you know, in terms of being uh, politically correct, I, I don't know that, you know, referring to uh, Vanessa Shaw's yabos is something that a... Disney Channel movie would normally do, especially yeah. at this time, and in, uh, in how you know how Disney D- Disney fies things up. But uh, like, I I think like I like that a lot. Like the the whole idea of of uh, the film trying to at least adhere itself to adults. Like if it's not going to completely interest adults, at least there are those moments where it's it's funny. It's got it's got that humor that's going to appeal to adults who are watching it with their children. Um, Though, they do cop out a bit in the beginning where we get to see 1693, Salem, Massachusetts, and Dr. A. Banks, you think? They just have speech impediments. Why not Zachary? Because nobody, nobody's been named Zachary in their life. I refuse to believe that unless some douchebag millennial gave their child that poor name but like running around barefoot in the woods to catch you know uh the witches 
and his little sister gets turned into crone stew and he becomes a cat and they're just constantly like since we lost Emily she died <laughs> say just it's, it's it's like just like I don't that's one thing I'll never get with western it's not just America but with western shows in general why they refuse to be like like, if you were to, like, watch, like, an anime and, like, like you're watching Naruto. It's a shonen. People die all the fucking time in it. But if you're watching Legend of Korra, which is also a show that was meant for teenagers, hey, anytime a plane shot down, you can see in the background somebody flying out in a parachute because nobody can die. Yeah, I mean, I... You, you, you can have all this violence. Yeah, they don't really, like, want to refer to it as such, but, uh... Then, you know, obviously she's been around for 300 years as a ghost because they show her, you know, towards the end, she's a ghost now. It's like, of course, you know, especially even 300 years later, she's she's dead. Um, But I mean, I think they do actually do they say at the end when Thackeray, the cat, Binks, the cat um, is like basically collapsed. Do they say he's dead? I can't remember now. They say he's gone. He's gone. Mm. God. They don't say he's gone. dead. Gone. He's been shuffled to, uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, it's like Boy Scouts. You're never. The only time they mention the die thing is when he gets hit. And they're like, again, Dolly Humor here. When the cat gets hit by a fucking boss, the guy's like, speed bump. <laughs> <laughs> We're running over the cat. And. The cat's flat and guts not everywhere, just flat. And they're like, no, thanks. And then his lungs come up and he's like, see, I told you I'm immortal. Yeah, just he basically blows himself up like a balloon. <laughs> Pops himself back into place. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I, I like those moments. I in as we were talking about, love the Halloween parts of it. The Halloween parts actually. And also, like, probably the 90s fashion, too, like, which is has now become back in style again. Like, if you look at all the, the fashion, like, kind of looks like you could be looking at today's world. Um, but, like, the Halloween style in this movie really makes you reminisce for the times where um, the Halloween decorations were... It was like everybody had the same ones, right? Like, you would go to um, the store, you know, or, like, a convenience store or um, maybe... Ames, a department store, and there would be an aisle of Halloween stuff, and everybody would have that same stuff because there was a limited amount. It wasn't like Target and Walmart or having their own production line and making their own shit and you buying stuff online. No, everybody had the same stuff, and it really makes you reminisce for kind of like the simpler times of like going out to the store and buying cheap decorations that everyone would have. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's just me, but like I, I find the nostalgic element of the decorations, especially in like Hocus Pocus. Um, we talked about it too. The opening to Halloween Four, um, which is you know very decorative. Those types of things with those nostalgic decorations and like the cutouts and stuff, um, always really get to me because that's like part of my childhood is re- remembering that stuff. Yeah, it was great, too, because, like, not only was it, like, simpler, but, I mean, think about the times when you did run into that stray house on your trick-or-treating quest, and they had all the bells and whistles and bullshit. You know, you're like, whoa, the skeleton's talking to me, and 
Now, like, you know, every other asshole who's, like, really into it's got their own, like, shit set up. And it's like, all right, you know, now it's just a pissing contest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the spectacle is kind of gone now. But, yeah, you're right. Like, you would notice if someone went the extra mile and they had a lot of different stuff. Um, Blow-ups now have made it kind of difficult to be impressive because you could have, you know, like, I ordered this $600 blow-up online or... You know, I ordered the 15-foot skeleton, or... Um, recently, I saw somebody had, like, a fucking 30-foot Michael Myers on this, <laughs> something like that. It's a ridiculous thing on display like that. Um, Selling used cars, too. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's like a wacky, waving, inflatable arm guy, but it, the Michael, My- Michael Myers version of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the spectacle of seeing that stuff has kind of faded over time and um i like seeing these you know these movies where they kind of bring that nostalgia back so I, again i think with the the halloween stuff on display that's really nice as well just getting that classic nostalgia of halloween's past um and we also should mention too that the kids in this movie are actually de- um trick or treating at a reasonable hour um they they're not coming out at two o'clock in the afternoon after school and their Halloween stuff trick-or-treating they're going out at a normal like six o'clock to nine nine p.m. time and, and doing their trick-or-treating at that time um but one thing about Hocus Pocus that is questionable and it's the same idea with like Halloween and Halloween 2 is the time period of when all of this takes place is very loose and almost like a lucid dream uh, where it's not quite apparent sometimes, like how much time has passed, where the time's going. Uh, you know, it 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 kind of plays fast and loose with the time scale of this movie. Yeah, it's very confusing because uh, I don't ever remember a dawn taking place at like at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, Trick or treating. It seems like they're trick-or-treating, like you said, like at like 6 o'clock at night, which would make sense because it's dark now. We're not even at Halloween yet. It's already been, you know, dark. It gets dark by 5.30. So that makes sense. Like, but I mean, at the end of the day, though, it still kind of seems a little... Like, too much shit happens in that second act to, like, make it seem like it's all happening on one night. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the Halloween and Halloween 2 aspect of it, where... At least in Halloween 2, they do kind of make mention of the fact that, like, oh, you know, all of the events in Halloween kind of took place, like, before 11 p.m., and then all of the events of Halloween 2 are, like, after that. Um, It's, like, one long fucking night. (laughs) And I think the same thing is true of Hocus Pocus. Like, all this takes place, basically, on Halloween night. They they go out trick-or-treating. Then they go to the museum, the witch's museum, when they let the witches loose. Um, and then at a certain point, they they kind of like, after all this stuff has happened, uh, the dance party's going on, and the witches have been there, and they do their song and dance, and Bette Midler has to rope out a, a ballad for everybody. Um, From a death stands. God rest your soul. Disney, <laughs> please let please let it rest instead of doing Hocus Pocus three. <laughs> um, it's coming out. It, it is, yeah. Yeah, they've already greenlit it. Wait, so. you killed off Bette Midler before she dies? She's not dead yet. I'm not. I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to kill her off. I'm just saying, let her. Let the lady rest. 
Give her give her a rest. If she wants to settle down and her golden years, then let her do it. Don't force her into Hocus Pocus 3 because she needs to pay the 20% Medicare doesn't cover. <laughs> um, but, like, after, the, you know, after the dance party and Halloween party and everything, um, and they are shown at the school when they go to the school and they actually show you the clock and it's like at 3 a.m. And uh, they think that they vanquished them in the boiler room or whatever the fuck oh, that I, thing is. No, no, no. See, I always thought it was like a furnace, like in, uh, like in Home Alone, like a giant mm-hmm. furnace they're getting thrown into. No, nay, nay. But due to your beautiful 4K, uh, Blu-ray of this, that's a fucking ceramic kiln. Oh, like a firing kiln in yes. the art department or yes. something? Yes, which our kiln in our art department was not even close to being that. It was literally just like a fucking little weevil wobble, like, you know, that you threw in. They have a whole giant fucking brew house of a kiln for those batteries. Yeah, it's weird because it almost looks like they're at a fucking crematorium or something. They're like... Yeah, you know, this school also doubles as the local funeral home. Because we're Salem and all, you know. Um, it is a weird place. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess it makes sense that this school has an industrial kiln. I don't know why. And, uh, you know, and the, the funny thing is, too, though, we don't see beforehand, like, that they're in, like, a ceramics class where they have this, you know, this ability. It's just... Mm roll right at you like there's no setup to that you know there's no fun you know that yeah, punchline with nothing there like they don't set up like oh he's a you know max is he's very artistic or at or maybe al probably al cindy she's artistic and he loves the way that she you know sits there and forms the pottery and puts it in the kiln before they go out you know for treating yeah i mean it does come out of nowhere um, but like, I like that you have them show you the time. It's like 3 a.m. They think they're done. They're like, yeah, well, you know, 3 a.m. Technically Halloween's over, right? It's November 1st at this point. Well, not only that, he gets to lay with the girl. That's right. He gets to have his wet dream. That's what I was expecting too. Like as an, as an adult now, like when they're waking up, like, oh, like her to be like, is he your fucking dick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is funny too because uh, Sarah pointed out she you know, in in a, in a different movie, but this one it works for this one as well. It's like well, if Stephen King had written that, they'd already be doing it right now. And they'd be, be like, "Well, before we vanquish the witches, we we must have sex." Um, but is it is true this one too? You know, and especially I think that's another one of those risque things too. It's like, wait, these two sixteen year olds stayed overnight together, sixteen or seventeen? You know, yeah, yeah but they don't say, "Oh my god." so risque so and then not only that what the thing that i found funny too is um when max goes out because he's like they're like oh we got to get home you know it's it's you know in almost morning um i better get home before my parents know that i've been gone and think i've been canoodling um, <laughs> um he max goes into his parents room and he's like mom dad and so you know it's like four o'clock in the morning he's like shouting because he doesn't he doesn't know they're not there we know they're not there because they're stuck at the dance party. But he goes in shouting. It's like, dude. Mom, uh, man, I didn't have sex today. <laughs> I know, right? Like, you, you're trying to escort a girl out of your house. Like, maybe don't 
give it away. It like that, that, but it was the 90s, man. You just being open and honest. Like, Mom, Dad, there's a girl here. Let the wet dream on your shirt. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just I just want to be honest with you guys. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, I thought that was funny because it's, you know, it's kind of crazy. But then, then I like, too, that he's like, oh, it's like five o'clock in the morning. They're not home. They must be having a really good time at that dance party. No, no, no. When no, have no. your when have your parents ever been out that late? No, 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 no. The question you need to be asking is why has the sun getting close to rising up? The sun literally rises at noon by the time November first comes around. The way this movie acts. <laughs> yeah. They're already having brunch and mimosas by the time the sun's coming up. <laughs> Um, what do you think about uh, good old Billy, the the zombie that they conjure up from the dead? Stupid. Uh, the only thing I can think of is I remember being like as a kid, being like when he's like, "Go to hell, hang!" I'm like, "He purged." That's hilarious. I just like that. Um, even back in '93, Doug Jones was getting so much work. He's Billy Butcherson in this movie. Uh, he's gone on to do tons of different monsters in pretty much every movie, every big movie that you can think of. He's worked with Guillermo del Toro quite a bit in The Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth. He's been in What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. You know, he, he does a ton of shit. But even back in 93, they were like, yeah, you're going to be Billy Butcherson. I mean, it's okay. The zombie elements are right. I mean, I don't... There's nothing really to it. It doesn't really... I remember the zombie, you know, the costume, obviously, but I don't think it's uh, anything that I write home about. So I guess, what do you think is the film's biggest issue? You know, if, if you're saying uh, it doesn't really reach the heights that you remember it having, uh, or at least, you know, nostalgically uh, watching as a kid what you liked about it. What, what now, as an adult, is like the biggest thing that kind of puts you off the movie? It's mainly that the story is so scatterbrained and all over the place and kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm fine with the premise. I'm fine with the idea of like, because I, I do like the opening. I do really like the opening in 1600, you know, 17th century Salem, which is they do they they do their thing. They get hanged, make a curse. We get to follow what's going on. And it all gets set up. I think it's fine, but once they're brought back, I think a lot of like what the Sanderson sisters are brought back, a lot of what's going on is very hit or miss. Like some of it works, some of it doesn't. And the fact that it's just constantly running around in circles around that same idea is what hurts the film the most. This the film's main issue is just pacing and story. Because I think overall the acting is really good. I do think Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy uh, Jimmy do a really good job as the Sanders. They are entertaining, especially Sarah Jessica Parker. Like I, I love how ditzy and stupid she is, and it's like really fun. I think, you know, Thor Birch as Danny. She's a really good child actress, and she does a really good job in that role. It's a lot, and she's a lot of fun. I think Vanessa Shaw is great. Her as Allison, is, she's really great in this film. Really believable, really entertaining, grounded. I think Omer, 
Omari Katz as Max is like the weakest link because he's just very generic dude, bro. Mm-hmm. But I think overall the acting is really solid throughout this film. I think that we do get really good performances throughout. I think, like I said, I think it's more just more or less just the fact that once you get to the second act and what's going on, what's happening is very hit or miss. Some of it's fun, some of it's not. Some of it's entertaining, some of it's really dull shit. The whole, like, town hall party thought that bit was fun. The whole wandering around the sewer and then in the graveyard and like, oh, there's a zombie here. I thought that was boring because that takes up way too much time. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact when you get to the end of like how they were like capturing Danny, and then you think like, oh, Max is gonna sacrifice himself is so fucking stupid because Danny's a very smart eight year old. So why, if Billy's head gets kicked off, and she's like, don't worry, I'm gonna run out of the circle of salt that I was told to stay in to grab your head, and be like, here you go, Billy, and then she gets you up, and then Max is like, I'll sacrifice myself, you know. It's all very me, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that I think the pacing is one of the the issues of the movie. There are things that that do work and things that maybe don't hit as um, humorous as they should, or seem to be like too out there, too too much ex- excursion for the movie. Um, I mean, there are things too that I think, like I I, I do think that the story is a little bit weak when it comes down to the fact that it has to constantly explain the rules of the of what's happening so like literally the the witches have to like speak out loud like oh we need to yes they they have to literally express what they need to get across to the audience like here's the rules of what's going on on this halloween night um so i think that's you know that's a weak point because it has to just do an info dump here and there. Um, but I think what works is like just the the idea of this Halloween night, this adventure. Um, the uh, a lot of the um, illustrative set design as well is what really works in the film's favor. Like the initial lead up to the museum where they're uh, where they used to live. Uh, where you see like purple smoke coming from the chimney and it's all you know kind of digitally decorated for the the Halloween season and you see all the atmosphere very good Um, one thing I should point out too is if you look when they're coming out of the school you see this nice nice change color changing tree right like it's yellow vibrant very uh, fall-esque especially for around where we live and then you look in the background and literally every other tree is fucking green. Like, green as can be. Um, kind of, like, at at a certain point, you're like, oh, the foreground, wow, it's so folly, so atmospheric. And then, you know, if you're looking closely, you get re- taken right out of that magical element because you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> the background, they forgot to change any of the other trees back there. Um, I thought that was funny. But, yeah, I mean, I think the film's pacing is the biggest issue it does it does um seem to just overstay its welcome a little bit and i think for kids that might not be such an issue because kids tend to watch movies and get sucked into them they get sucked into them and they don't have the lack of attention span that we as adults do now where 
I don't know. I don't know if it's me and if, if I've changed over time and gotten sucked into like phone culture and everything else like that. But I definitely have a limited attention span for movies now. I, I don't, I can't, if it, if it doesn't grab my attention, I do have a difficult time just sitting down and watching a movie. Um, I feel like that's just been a, a slow and steady thing that's occurred over time is that we our attention spans have just kind of gotten a little bit shorter um and so now even like a a hundred minute movie seems just just a bit too long um so i think that's kind of what happens with hocus pocus too kids are more open to um accepting just what's happening on screen and they don't really think critically about like um does it seem unnecessary to actually see that scene? But now as an adult, you're watching it. I feel like you notice when it seems like the film is running long. Um, what else did we talk about that you wanted to mention? So in the opening, when uh, Thackeray goes down and visits the witches and he kicks their cauldron over, notice anything? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what you're referring to. So as he pushes the cauldron over, again, the cauldron is steel or iron over a hot flame. Oh, it's on a hot fire. Oh, uh, yeah. And on a hot fire. Just pushing it around willy-nilly with his hands. <laughs> like, it's okay. Took Dad took me right out of the film, Dios. He, he It would have it been more realistic if he grabs it and his half his hand melts off. <laughs> He's just... Just ah! yeah. <laughs> yeah. a Wilhelm scream. Yeah, his, his punishment is living with third degree burns <laughs> for the rest of his life. Yeah, no, that that took me right out. So. No, I I didn't notice, but yeah, that's yeah. No, anytime they're ever kicking the cauldron around, it's always like right over an open fire, and they're just pushing it around willy nilly. It's like arcs. One thing I like too is uh that I, f- I found to be you know not disney friendly anymore is when um ice and uh what's his name uh, jay. jay are over the cauldron they're like caged up uh being kept by the witches and instead of helping them out max just like i'm t- taking my shoes back and just leaves them there to who knows could could be eaten right um I found that to be funny because, like, it's you know, you'd think like the your hair hero at the end, it's gonna save save everybody. Yeah. No, but he no, but also too, this movie proves Max is a bitch. What do you do when some assholes come rolling up to you and be like, "Hey, man," got which also shows how like anti kids friendly this movie is today. Hey, man, you got any smokes? <laughs> <laughs> You know, these high school kids are shaking out other high school kids in the graveyard. Smokes. He's like, no. And he's like, how conscious, Hollywood? Well, how about money? And he's like, no, I don't have any. Like, oh, you don't have any money. What about them Jordans? I did like that, yeah, with the smokes. That's that's definitely not something that you would ever see in a kid's movie anymore. It's like, te- even, even the worst teens, you know, bullies... In they the kids' smoke. movies now, they're not smoke. They're if, not. if they were, they'd be like, whoa, what are you doing? It's cool, uncool. 
Don't you know that will cause cancer? Yeah. Yeah, they oh. definitely are not spoken. Also, too, the one bully, Jay. Um, Dude, he looks he's... a lot like Shawnee Smith to me. I was going to say Brecken Mayer. You think Brecken Mayer would be playing him? Yeah. I mean, the eyes and stuff, his eyes, they definitely, they looked a lot like Shawnee Smith. Um, at, at least to me. You know. So Shawnee Smith's back. Back better than ever. They, to me, they're like Bulk and Skull, which, fun yep. fact, apparently... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers didn't come out till August of 93, so. Who's aping from who? Mmm. There you go. Yeah, that's true. But every time I see him, all I can think of in my head is like the bulk and skull theme. Like. Don't you like how uh, grunge they are, too? Don't you also love, too, how they're picking on an eight year old? Nazar trick or treating it. Hey kid, give me your fucking candy. <laughs> yeah. What um how do you feel about like the the horror element in here? Does it does it have any? No. None. It was zero. I mean it does seem like it's The horror is uh mom's Madonna Barco. It's true. It's true. Damn. Sticking right out. And I gotta say, probably my least favorite mo- moment is the the song from Bat Midler. Because I put spell on you. I feel like I feel like that was the start of every fucking movie and TV show throwing in a music number. Like now, everything's got to have one, or you got to have a music related episode. Um, and to me. I I hate any time a show or a movie has like oh we're gonna throw in a musical montage where the the character actually sings it. Um, it's like one of my least favorite things of what they do now in 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 like shows and movies. So anytime there's a musical number, I am very dis- <laughs> disappointed that it happened. So I I. Uh, would say that's how I feel about this movie too. One of my least favorite scenes, and I hate it every time it comes. Um. All right, so I guess we we got to rate Hocus Pocus. Um, so on a scale of zero to ten, Sir Jessica Parker yabos, because I'm surprised that Max doesn't bring up her yabos during. Their encounters. What would you give? With her nice little corset pushing them. Yeah. I'll give the film a 7 out of 10. I do still have like, a lot of nostalgia for this film. Because this is a film that I have seen like a billion times. And it's a film that does still, like it does resonate with me. But I can see, like I don't think it's that great of a film overall. It's fun, it's quirky, it's got its little... You know things going on for, but it's, this isn't masterclass theater. There's nothing. <laughs> there's honestly, like, if you're not a millennial who grew up watching it, you're gonna be hard pressed to probably be to find the enjoyment. And that's because there's a lot of early millennial humor here, a lot of early millennial, st- you know, tropes and stereotypes. Um, I do think it is really Halloweeny, so that's a plus. I do think. It's got some good, you know, good ideas. I do think the acting overall is well done. 
I think the fact, though, that the, the main problem with this film is that it's slow, it's bogged down with a, a lot of nonsense, and it could be a lot more focused if the plot wasn't in the second act jumping around from place to place to place. Um, but I would definitely say check it out, because it is called Classic Play, boy, so whether you like it or not, I do think you should check it out. But I'd say it's a 7 out of 10. Like, it's a fun enough film, but... If you're not of the age that saw it when it came out, you're probably going to be hard-pressed to be impressed by it, so. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I would give it a 7 out of 10. Like, I do enjoy the movie, do watch it pretty much every year. I think it has a really great Halloween atmosphere. Um, For me, it's definitely not my favorite Halloween movie to watch during the season, but I do understand the nostalgia for it, even though I may not necessarily have it to the same extent that other people do. It does have... um, some fun moments to it. I think that, you know, the witches are interesting. There are some nice excursions as they encounter uh, contemporary life. Um, I like the 90s throwback that it's got in it. Um, but at the same time, I do have and have always felt that it was just a little bit long. Uh, has some somewhat of an uh, aimless direction at times. And um, I feel like it just... This this shtick does wear thin over time, um, to the point where like I think you can only, for me at least, I can only watch it like once a year. Um, any more than that, and I would you know, I can't focus on it that long because I do think it loses me at times as an adult that maybe childhood me would not have found to be as, um, you know, annoying or off putting. So I think it's a fun a fun movie. Has, has a lot of great moments um, and I understand why people do like it so much but I don't have that same draw to it even though I do think it you know it, it is a worthy movie to watch during the Halloween season um, if you're looking for atmosphere specifically this one's got it you know it's got a lot of atmosphere it's got a great um, classic Halloween feel to it but as a story and as a movie I don't think it's quite there I don't think it, you know, captures your attention as an adult. Not like Double Double Toil and Trouble does with Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. I mean, come on. Oh, I've seen that movie. <laughs> Soon. Yeah, I uh, actually, I think I tried to watch that one not too long ago, and I definitely could not get through it. <laughs> it for an adult, it does not hold up. I don't think any of those Mary Kate and Ashley films. No, I, I don't think so. All right, so that's the nostalgia of Hocus Pocus. Uh, what do we got next? I don't know, you're the keeper. What was on the list? I don't even remember. Wow. I mean, we've we've gotten through a lot of the stuff, so I'm like, now I'm like, what the fuck else was on? <laughs> what else did we say was on the list? Um, I think we hit everything that we said was on the list. Yeah, like, we've covered all the stuff that we definitely wanted to cover um i don't know like may, is there room for the exorcist believer if you want to make time for it it's like i'm i'm kind of uh throwing in like a a big scythe because while i do think we should probably do it i'm also not excited to do it <laughs> um especially because well for one thing i've seen that's getting terrible reviews but 
also because I'm just do we do do we really want to go another Halloween season with another David Gordon Green flop? Like, feels like that's been that's going to be three years in a row now. It's like get tired of it. Like, you want, go give him a pep talk. Hey, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I know. I know. You can you cannot imagine it's that these people are so out of touch with reality. I mean, once you get that insular in Hollywood, you're like, oh yeah, like, this is gonna be fucking great. No one's there to tell you like it's fucking stupid. Nobody would sign off. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a trilogy too. It's gonna be a trilogy, and David Gordon Green may not be brought back for the second one. Is what I've seen. I don't even think it's his fault, though, with the direction. It's not like the movie are bet poorly directed. They're poorly written. Mm. Well, I mean, he does write it, but it's him and, like, what? Like, seven other people, though. What if... Yeah, I mean... What if... Because uh, I'm having a hard time, too. What if we do, like, The Conjury? Well, that doesn't really meet the Halloween requirement, in my opinion. But it's based around New York! No, I mean, I, I, I've got some other ideas, but I, I do think probably the next one should be The Exorcist Believer. It's in theaters. I think I think we should do it. You want to do the Amity Bill? Cast on Halloween either, though. Yes, it is. It's, it's not Halloweenies like, uh, you're cr- like, we, like we said. Your criteria is too narrow. I, I, like, I'm not out of movies, though. That's the thing. I'm not out. I've, I, there's more. There's more. I've got more weeks to go. We just we just didn't pick them. Um, we didn't like go out that far. What if? But what if we did like uh, a list like some? Are you afraid of Arkansas? Uh, they don't take place on Halloween though. Just, yeah. <laughs> You're so fucking finicky. It sucks. Make the snow. Hold on. We'll just do. Uh, we'll just do tales of Halloween again. No. <laughs> I rather do body bags. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll talk about it and see what else we can do. Um, but I I do think that we should do the Exorcist Believer. So try to get get how there and that, see how that. How is that Halloween? Uh, because it released around Halloween. That's that's my that's my criteria for that one, and because it fits the theme of David Gordon Green. So at Halloween, so Zombie lands on the list of Country Living's seventy best Halloween films. <laughs> yeah, that's because they didn't follow our criteria. Number six is Halloween H two O twenty years later. Candyman twenty twenty one. Scary stories to tell in the dark could be one that we do. I think I suggested that. I think we, we, and, we've uh, been meaning to do that, right? Yeah. I think I suggested that. And, you said, and that one does take place on Halloween, so that could be one. Arachnophobia. Oh, and Ginger Snaps, too. Children of the Corn. Oh, we're going to do like all like 12 of those films. You ever seen uh, Ginger Snaps? No. Never even heard of that. It's a werewolf movie. It's a good movie. Uh-huh. Um... Yeah, so we'll 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 come up with some more and we'll 
will carry out the Halloween season. Wow. So who do you like? Who do you like more? Do you like the Sanderson sisters or the Crones? What do you mean the Crones? From The Witcher Three. From The Witcher. I think the the Crones are obviously spookier, and I, I'm I'm more drawn to the spooky. So I would say the Crones. Crones. Yeah, I like the Crones a lot in the in The Witcher. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the the game. Yeah, I like I like that a lot. All right, so thanks for listening to our episode on Hocus Pocus. We hope you enjoyed. Hopefully, we didn't uh, ruin your nostalgia for the the movie. Um, we are on pretty much any podcast app you can think of, so you can. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, our home base at Anchor.fm, which is now Spotify. Uh, leave us a nice review. Subscribe to us on there. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Search for us, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We have an email address at bloodblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Write to us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what movies you want us to consider, and uh, we will definitely think about it. And then you can also donate to us on our Patreon page or on our Spotify page. Uh, any donations you give to us, We'll go right back towards beer. So we appreciate that. Thank you in advance for anything that you can give. So that concludes our episode on Hocus Pocus. Hopefully you will tune back in for our Halloweenies 2 episodes as we continue all through October. Hopefully you're having a nice Halloween season. And uh, until the next episode, take care.